This is Where We Live. I'm John Dankowski. We're celebrating 10 years of our program this week, and today, Where We Live, we'll be hearing from you. Your stories and your comments and your questions have meant a lot to us over the past 10 years, which is why we're taking some time to get your feedback. What has the past decade of Where We Live meant to you? What have you liked about the show? What issues would you like to hear us cover going forward? We want to hear from you at 860-275-7266. Again, the lines are open to you, 860-275-7266. You can also comment on our website, wnpr.org slash where we live. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Joining me in studio is Lucy Nalpathanchel. She's a longtime reporter for WNPR. And starting on Monday, she's the new host of Where We Live. Lucy, welcome back to the show. And I'm so glad that you're going to be taking over on Monday. Thank you, John. You know, I want to say before we get into hearing from our listeners, you know, John and his team, Katie, Lydia, Kayone, Tucker, others in the newsroom have really built a remarkable show uh, to talk about Connecticut in a really thoughtful way. And uh, I know it's not been an easy task over the last 10 years, but it's a, you know, a show that's become important to so many of our listeners. And I know that um, I'm really honored to fill your chair, John, and I'm really looking forward to uh, taking on the show starting Monday, May 16th. And I just wanted to say for those of you who don't uh, work with John, I know that you've gotten to know him uh, through the airwaves uh, over the years, but he's really been an amazing mentor to so many of us, um, journalists that he has trained throughout his career, and not everyone in the business uh, takes that time, but John has taken that time. So I wanted to say thank you for this amazing opportunity. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you very much for saying that. And um, over the course of this hour, we're going to get a chance to know Lucy a little bit uh, as as a host. And I want to tell you folks who don't exactly understand what, what's happening with me, what I'm off to, to do. Over the course of the last couple of years, I've been working on a project with NPR uh, called the Collaborative Coverage Project. And, and the idea of the Collaborative Coverage Project is how can we get stations working better together? How can we get stations across America working better with NPR? I mean, NPR, Lucy, as you know, is a kind of a remarkable thing. It's not like a traditional news network, right? It's not like NBC where they've got reporters in Washington or New York and then some spread out all over the world and then they just do news and they distribute it out. NPR has that, but then they also have like 1,500 journalists across the country who are telling stories about what's happening in, in West Virginia and Washington State and in Florida and Texas and Connecticut. And so what we're trying to do with some of these projects is tie the country together and just make a stronger reporting network for all of America. So I've been involved in that in a while, and then a really great opportunity came forward uh, because of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Uh, they're starting these regional journalism collaboratives, and we decided to put one together for the New England region. So my job is going to be as the executive editor of this New England News Collaborative. We're tying together eight stations across New England, and we're going to be telling stories about this changing place. I mean, New England is a fast-changing place. We've told a lot of those stories on where we live, but it's also a very old place. I mean, I think, as, as you'll find out, Lucy, one of the recurring themes of our show is there's 169 little towns, right, with their own governments and their own borders and their own ways of doing things. And so it's, it's both remarkable and it's long-lasting and it's given us a lot of good things. But because of this, we don't necessarily work together across town borders and certainly across state borders as much as we could. So my job is going to be trying to figure out how to tell those stories about cooperation in places where we could co cooperate. And, and then we're going to make a new weekly show out of it that's going to launch sometime this summer that I'll be excited to tell you a little bit more about. But uh, I, I think that that piece of it is going to be one of the things I'm going to be looking forward to you you uh, telling more stories about, Lucy, is, is how we work together as a state and as a region 
as we have all these like sort of rules that divide us. And we'll be checking in with John and the New England uh, team that you're going to be building uh, throughout the next months and, and the year about what are some of the similarities, whether it's a challenge in infrastructure or how the populations are changing, uh, the the economy um, collapsing in certain parts and bringing on new economies. So I think that's going to be a really exciting time to learn more about our region and then maybe take some lessons from each other. Uh, we're talking today with Lucy Nalpothanchel. She's the new host of Where We Live starting on Monday, and we're going to get to some of your phone calls in just a moment at 860-275-7266. Again, it's 860-275-7266. What we want to do today is give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about what you've liked about Where We Live over the course of the last 10 years and what you'd like to hear us do more about. Because I think often, Lucy, we do reach out to our listeners, and we do it on social media more than we did 10 years ago, and we've always done it on the phone, but there's a lot of great ideas out there, and I think this this notion of turning to our listeners and saying, what would you like us to cover, what stories would you like us to tell, is a hallmark of real great interactive radio. That's right. You know, we we know where we live has always been a, a show about sense of place and the issues facing our state. And one thing that I want to do as host is to bring in more of these people stories, you know, who we are in Connecticut. Um, we're going to have smart conversations with not just elected officials and in the policy experts, but people in these communities that are doing remarkable things. And also, we're going to check in. Like today, we know that the legislature is is voting on this budget deal. Budget deal. So often, we hear about the details of these budgets um, at the last minute, and there are drastic consequences to communities around our state. So we're going to check in uh, once that budget deal has been finalized to find out, you know, what does this mean to people in Winstead or Middletown, um, you know, to the the, nor- the Quiet Corner or to Litchfield County. I mean, what are, what's happening here in Connecticut? And we want to hear more from our listeners about what are the issues that you want to hear us explore. Now, over the course of the last couple of days, we've put out some requests to folks to, to give us ideas. Uh, Quinn Trong uh, wrote us on Facebook. And you can, if you'd like to share some of your ideas on Facebook, it's, it's at Where We Live, also on Twitter at Where We Live and at 860-275-7266. Quinn says, I want to hear about the exploding numbers of Asian Americans and the paucity of Asian representation in the Connecticut legislature and in our media. This is something you want to take on real soon, Lucy. That's right. You know, we were actually already in process. I was looking at and thinking about, you know, I've been working in public media for 17 years. I mean, I've worked primarily as a reporter. I've covered lots of different beats, including immigration. And one of the shows that we had in process was let's talk about the people in our communities, how our population is changing, who are the Asian Americans in our communities. Um, you know, I'm a, my, I'm a child of immigrants. My parents came from India. I was born and raised in, in Pennsylvania. And so um, some of the experiences that I'm hearing from uh, Asian Americans in Connecticut, I've experienced. And so we're going to have a really honest discussion about that on Tuesday's show. And so I thought it was great that uh, Quinn had uh, chimed in on Facebook, and we're actually going to have her on the show on Tuesday. You know, one of the things we're actually going to be covering a lot in this New England News Collaborative is is that change in, in so many immigrants coming to our region. Uh, in many ways, New England has been defined for years as a land of steady habits, not just in Connecticut, but all across the region. But over the course of the last few decades, there's been an enormous influx of people coming from all over the world, and it truly has done a few things. It's changed the way people live, and it's changed neighborhoods, certainly. But it's also really changed a, a demographic curve. I mean, New England is aging fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're one of the oldest parts in the country. When we talk about people leaving Connecticut, it's not just young people leaving. It's older people leaving to go to Florida, too. But our overall population is aging. But 
if not for immigrants coming in. Immigrant populations are younger, and that's what's really floating our economy. And I don't think people give that enough attention right now, Lucy. The, the notion is that if we didn't have immigrants coming to New England and to Connecticut specifically, we'd really be in big trouble. And so we need to take a look at, at, at what these communities are bringing and who they are. And when we look at Connecticut in the past decade, Asian Americans, there have been an increase of 65% in the last decade. Do people know that? Mm. Let's talk about that. What are their contributions? Um, when we know that we're in a, a big-time election year um, in the presidential race, and we hear so often about immigration and let's close our borders, but there's more to the immigration system than just talking about the people that are coming here without the proper documentation. That's something that I explored as a reporter. We're going to still explore that on the show. We're going to take some of your phone calls now at 860-275-7266 as we get ideas for the next 10 years of where we live as we celebrate the first 10 years today. I'm here with Lucy Nalpathanchel. Muriel is calling from Middletown, Lucy's hometown. Hi, Muriel. Go ahead. You're on where we live. Oh, hi. Um, I, I've been wanting to hear a discussion of geothermal uh, heating uh, as, as one of the mixes in the energies, you know, solar and wind and whatever. Um in a renewable energy, and I'd like to know what are the upside and the downside, and what is the cost involved, and uh, how important could it be in in uh, uh, dealing with our energy crisis? Muriel, thank you so much for that. I, I really appreciate it, and I know that one of the things that we're really interested in talking about is renewable energy sources, including geothermal, uh, wind, and solar. Of course, there's so many things that New England has as a region. Natural resources in terms of the ability to generate a lot of electricity, a lot of power, is not necessarily one of them. We're not the best place for solar. We're not necessarily, except for some parts of New England, the best place for wind. Geothermal is there as well, but I think an exploration, Lucy, over the course of years of how we are going to use these resources as Connecticut and the rest of our region continues to rely a lot on fossil fuels like natural gas coming from the uh, the fracked areas where we grew up in Pennsylvania. That's going to be a really interesting story for us to cover. You know, uh, we've heard on the show over the years, um, reporters here at WNPR, you know, Patrick Scahill is our science and environment reporter. I mean, again, these are issues that we're interested in. We, we're loving, we want to explore them. And part of that is bringing our reporters here at WNPR who are doing the reporting to talk about the stories that can then encourage more conversation around a particular issue. So I know we can definitely uh, check in on geothermal heating. Uh, we heard from Jennifer Just on Facebook. I'd love to hear about small businesses that are doing well and about the people behind them, including quirky or cutting-edge ones. I know that we've gotten a chance to talk to so many people over the years who are doing uh, really interesting small business startups. There's a lot of entrepreneurship in our area, but I think looking into the ways in which we can do this and not just talking about you know how hard it is to start a small business in Connecticut, because it is hard. I, I will say, my wife and I started up a, a small business for her just in, in the last year, and there are, are an awful lot of obstacles, even if you're, you're not going to make a whole lot of money at it. But there are a lot of great success stories as well, and I think we find them. You found them as reporters, as a reporter over the years, too. Especially among uh, the veteran population uh, here in Connecticut and how so many of them come back from their service, and um, they go back and get their degrees, and then they look at their skill sets, and they may have trouble finding jobs, you know, traditional civilian jobs, but so many entrepreneurs here in Connecticut are veterans starting their own businesses. They found a new way um, to restart their careers, and that's something that we need to hear more about. Uh, we heard from Fausto Parra. I would like to recommend topics for shows 
about new generation veterans and their lack of involvement in veterans organizations, talking about the concern it raises is the old generation are aging, but no one's filling their leadership positions in these communities. You mentioned veterans. I wanted to mention Fausto's note. You've been covering veterans issues for years, Lucy. Mm-hmm. It started when you, you went to a, kind of a boot camp, a training camp for reporters to cover military issues. Can you just tell that story real quickly? Because you have done a lot of great yeah. reporting on, on, on veterans since then. We know after the drawdown in Iraq, um, you know, we were talking, you and I, about, you know, what are some of the stories we're not telling on our air. And one of them was the people that have been returning from these wars. And so, um, you know, obviously I have no military experience. I've been a reporter in public broadcasting. And I'm like, well, what's a good way to learn? And so I found this great opportunity through um, the U.S. Army and uh, the Kansas Journalism School out there where they actually bring in journalists to uh, Fort Leavenworth and um, Fort uh, Leonard Woods in Missouri to learn about the military. And so it was an eye-opening experience. I spent a week there, and it really helped me understand um, the service and how to reach out to people here in Connecticut who have served. And, and I think one thing that we we have told in the past and that we'll continue to tell is, you know, Connecticut's a, a unique place. We do have, of course, the submarine base. We've got the Coast Guard Academy, and we have pockets of, of military population but it's not like what it's like if you live in you know a place where you used to live, Jacksonville, uh, Florida, or, or North in, in North Carolina, or in Texas, or in Southern California, where military is a huge presence. And so our ability to cover the, what the military and military culture and what it means to families who, who have served, especially in a state where there aren't as many people who, who have, that's, I think, a really important thing to continue to do. Yeah, definitely. And what I found um, in my reporting through the years is because Connecticut is a small state, um, there is a robust uh, support network for many veterans. And a lot of these um, veterans, whether they served in the Navy, the Army, uh, whether they were Marine, um, they've all found each other through some of these organizations that Fausto has mentioned. But he is right. Oftentimes at the VFWs, um, you know, there's the Vietnam era and older. And how do they then attract uh, these younger veterans? And so that is an issue um, as we move forward. Let's get back to the phones here. Ross is calling from Hartford. Hi, Ross. Go ahead. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, yes. Uh, I was hoping that Lucy on the new show might um, bring in some state employees to talk about what it's like to be a state employee. I, I have to say I'm a state employee. I'm home today. Uh, we've got some contractors working in the house, and I've been very disappointed on the reporting I've heard on this show and on Colin's show as well. Uh, you know, uh, I actually had to check the dial a couple of times to make sure that I wasn't listening to Fox News. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and Ross, be, be specific about that. What do you mean? Well, uh, just the other day you said uh, uh, out of control, use the phrase, I believe, out of control state spending. Or, or I, no, not it was it was the uh, uh, uncontrolled growth of state government. Mm. And. You know, uh, the number of state employees in the state of Connecticut has been shrinking ever since the Weicker administration. There's only been a few agencies like the prisons that have actually increased in size. The spending increases, which you should know that have occurred, have been the result of unavoidable fixed costs like health care. And, uh, you know, just the other issues about uh, pay parity and benefit parity and where that all came from. Why it is that state employees have the benefits they do? There are specific reasons for that historically, uh, and and I just think you're not reporting the story correctly. Mm. Well, I, I I will say I appreciate your call very much, Ross. And as as we have uh, consistently over the course of ten years, we'll 
we'll keep putting voices like yours on the air and we'll keep bringing in uh, state employees and state employee union uh, representatives. And and I think that it's it's an important issue, Lucy, as we talk about the, you know, the size of state government, how we pay for everything that we have. I think we want to hear all these voices. You know, I hope, Ross, um, you listen on Monday. Uh, one of the segments that we're doing, uh, we're doing a check in with two um, longtime state employees who have been recently laid off um, because we hear so often from the governor and the legislature um, that these are cuts that need to happen. But we haven't been hearing from workers like um, yourself. I mean, it sounds like you, you're still uh, working for the state of Connecticut. These two individuals that we've lined up for Monday are no longer working for the state. And so we're going to hear their personal stories, the work that they've done, and get their insight on, as people working for the state of Connecticut, what changes they think need to happen, because we do have these looming budget deficits in the out years. I want to hear from Chris in West Hartford. Hi there, Chris. Hey, guys. Um, uh, First time in a long time. You guys are great, and I've been listening from the start, and have just loved this show and love the work you've done, John, and, and Lucy and the whole team. And I, I'm looking forward to many more great things. Um, I wanted to ask you for a specific story, which is the uh, newly reported information uh, uh, with greater detail about how hard it is for people like myself who carry a little extra weight around, if you lose some, to keep it off. Um, it's a fascinating subject scientifically and, of course, important to uh, in real life to people uh, people like myself who struggle with that. And so if uh, you could bring in some experts who maybe could talk about the biology and the chemistry and how that all works and how we can uh, maybe effectively fight it in our own lives. I'd appreciate that so much and wish you both, uh, again, uh, great luck. Thanks. Thank you. Chris, thank you so much, and thank you for all your support of our, of our program over the years. And uh, Lucy, it's a, no, it's a huge issue, and we've, we've actually we've had a lot of conversations about uh, this sort of thing in the past, but I think Chris brings up a really good point. Some of the science behind this is, uh, is really, really fascinating, and so much of the conversation I think that we have about something like weight loss um, has to do with uh, trends in people's behavior. And it doesn't necessarily always have to do with the science behind uh, some of these issues. And so I think it's, a, it's an important you know, issue that he brings up. I think that's a, a great idea. Thank you so much for your call. And, you know, a, a while ago, um, you know, as a woman, um, you know, we often pay attention to our weight and fluctuating weight loss. I remember reading something about how once you have created those fat cells, they're always there. They may shrink if you lose weight and you exercise, but they're always there. And then also just dealing with um, cravings and, and how we can, it's not just about exercising, but changing the way we think about food. I think it's a great idea that we should explore. Uh, we're going to take some more of your calls at 860-275-7266 and more of your ideas coming across on Facebook and Twitter. Um, as we head to break, uh, Michael says, I'd like to encourage where we live to cover the challenges of the northwest quarter of Connecticut. That's where I live. And the impact that the state budget cuts will have there. Uh, a tweet from Ryan who says, uh, New England is the Napa Valley of craft beer. Love some stories about our amazing breweries. You can get behind that. All right, I, Lucy. Might, I might bring my husband on. He uh, homebrews. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we'll, we'll talk with Lucy's husband maybe in the coming weeks. We're celebrating 10 years of Where We Live. We're taking some of your ideas. We'll be right back. Where We Live.
This is Where We Live. I'm John Dankosky. Today on the program, Lucy Nalpathanchel joins me. On Monday, she's taking over as the host of Where We Live, and we're celebrating 10 years of the show. Just coincidentally, we've reached our 10-year anniversary. I'm going to be moving on to do some other things here at WNPR, and Lucy is going to be the great new host of a program that I have enjoyed hosting so much. And so we're taking some of your phone calls and some of your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. You can call us at 860-275-7266. We're trying to get some of your ideas about what we should be doing next, stories that are really interesting. So let's go to Tevin, I believe it is, um, in Hartford. Hi there. You're on Where We Live. Hi. Thanks, John, and thanks, Lucy, so much for your work. Um, I, first of all, grew up in a part of the country that did not have this kind of local programming on public radio, and so it has enriched my life since I've been in Connecticut. And my question for a topic is if you could explore the question of waste in our healthcare system as we look at the growing budget deficit and long-term obligations of the state, but then also for private employers, it seems to me that this is an area that we should return to after the debate around Obamacare has now, I think, settled somewhat and look at what we can be doing to reduce the amount of waste that there is in spending. As most academics find, there's a tremendous amount in how much money we put toward our healthcare system. It's a really good idea, and thank you so much for that. You know, so many of the stories that that we've told over the years, Lucy, about the healthcare system have to do with really remarkable kind of aha moments when when you see how much waste there is in the system, as Tevin uh, explains, but also the the just the raw costs behind things, the inability for people to know what is on their hospital bill and why you might go to a hospital one day and have a bill that says some procedure costs this amount and. Somebody else would go back the next day and it would cost them something entirely different. That's a big piece of, I think, what we've covered over the years and the rising cost of health care. Look, Ross, our caller before, who was talking about, you know, he wants more fair coverage of state employees. Well, he said it right. You know, the biggest cost to the state is health care, not just of state employees, but just in general. We've got to figure out why we're spending so much money and how we can spend less. What's great about um, having this local show is, again, we can have on our reporters who are, are doing uh, the reporting um, in our communities, including Jeff Cohen, who's been focused so much the last several years um, with this partnership with NPR and the Kaiser Foundation on looking at uh, how the Affordable Care Act has uh, shaped, you know, has has impacted our communities. And so this is another great topic where we can explore and talk about it in a thoughtful way. You know, I, I do want to say we've gotten a couple of nice uh, tweets and, and other comments from people that sort of echo what Tevin was saying about growing up in a place without a sh- program like this. Rich said, the show began as I was moving to Connecticut, not knowing anyone. It was the number one way I started to learn about the region. Happy 10th, uh, where we live. Thank you so much for that. Um, I also heard from Heather here who tweeted at us, uh, you helped me transition to Connecticut from Springfield, Massachusetts, and made it less intimidating. It was like welcome home. Uh, I've said this story on the air before. You remember our our former colleague, Anna Sale, who now hosts a a really great podcast called Death, Sex, and Money uh, out of WNYC. When she left here and she moved to the city, to New York, uh, she was originally from West Virginia, and she'd lived in Connecticut for a while, and she felt like, I didn't know anybody, and I'm living in Brooklyn, and I'm working in Manhattan, and I didn't know anybody. And she turned on the Brian Lehrer Show on her station, WNYC, and she felt at home. She felt like this show was about what it meant to be a New Yorker, even if you came from someplace else. And it's sort of always been my hope with Where We Live, is that people would turn to it and say, Okay, I get it. I, I'm now part of a community here. I can call them up, 860-275-7266, and I can give some ideas and I can share with other people, some of whom are coming from the outside and some of whom have been here their whole lives. 
That's right. You know, when I moved here um, to Connecticut in 2006, you know, learning about Connecticut and all of the 169 towns and cities and villages and hamlets, you know, it's important to have a show where you can talk about the news happening, the issues happening. And so often in public you know, public media, public radio, there aren't talk shows where listeners have that opportunity. It's the, the you know, the traditional news magazine show where you just have, you're listening to nice stories, produce stories, headlines, but you don't have that interaction. And that's what's so valuable about where we live. You know, I, I, I wanted to actually address very, very quickly a caller who we couldn't get to named Priya who was asking about NPR, WNPR, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, and how this all works. Just very quickly, and I'm going to sound like it's the middle of one of our fundraisers, but the way it works is is that NPR is a network that is basically funded by member stations. We pay dues to NPR for the great programming that they create. Now, there's money that goes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, some of it directly to NPR, some of it to stations like ours, but it's a very small fraction of of all, all of our overall budgets. Most of the money that comes to NPR comes from stations like ours. We ask you for money, and then we send it along to NPR. And part of my new job is to figure out, okay, how can we get NPR reporters and WNPR reporters and reporters from the stations around New England to just work better together so that we're making your dollars go further. I mean, to me, one of the big things, I'll get back to to Ross, who called before, is that no matter what, whether or not we've got a a state budget that's in crisis or a federal budget that's in crisis, or we've got to figure out how in a changing media landscape we're going to keep this great thing called public radio alive, we've got to figure out a way when, you know, Priya from Hartford sends in her $100 as a pledge, I got to make that go as far as possible and make it and turn it into the best possible radio experience and news experience for her so that she understands the world. That's what we're trying to do, hopefully, and that's a little bit about what we're trying to do here on where we live. So uh, let's go to Stephen. Stephen is calling from Middletown. Hi, Stephen. Go ahead. Hi. I, you, you've kind of touched on this already. What I'd like to see um, you continue to do and do more of is to use local examples to illustrate larger issues that are in the national news. So the big headlines we might see over um, defense budget cuts or, or you mentioned health care already or environmental regulations, some of those things seem completely mystifying, ununderstandable, distant. But I think by, by focusing on the small and, and tackling those things on a small scale, you can help us get, get a handle on and feel empowered on these uh, larger issues. Stephen, so that could be something in the state that relates to the nation or even today, something that takes the state budget down to a local level and how that impacts Middletown school funding. For example. Uh, Stephen, it's a great point. And thank you so much. And, and, and thank you for listening so closely to how we've done that over the years. But I think there's more that can be done about that, Lucy. Look, um, when you put things under the microscope, you really do learn about the bigger issues uh, that, that face us. And it's probably a, a m- much better way to cover some of the, the national and international issues we have than just trying to constantly talk about it from a 30,000-foot view. You know, we have a show planned um, next week um, where we're going to do a check-in with the Office of Child Advocate Sarah Egan and um, the challenges that families and parents have when they have children with developmental disabilities in their schools and how school districts respond to treatment and, and education plans. And when they don't respond... What can families and parents do? And we're not just going to talk about what's going on here in Connecticut, and we're going to have some parents on. We're going to look at different school districts. 
we're, we're checking in with the ProPublica reporter who's been doing this reporting around the country about that very same issue to then, you know, provide that, that perspective um, of how Connecticut's doing, what Connecticut can do better, and, you know, what are other families that are also dealing with, you know, certain issues around the country facing. Yeah, we've always uh, done that in the program, and it's, it's, it's something that's, I think, a hallmark moving forward, too, is this notion of benchmarking. I mean, in Connecticut, we've got some we, we say often that we are in the forefront of some really important issues, and I, I think we can give credit to a lot of our lawmakers and to a lot of public officials and also to a lot of grassroots activists for making that true. At the same time, there are a lot of places around the country that are outpacing us in the way they're thinking about really important issues, and we're going to try to reach out to more of those places and learn how they're doing things because we can always learn by asking people who aren't just right in front of us. Um, Another point I'll just quickly make is I think we want to continue to focus on global issues as well, Lucy. One of the things that you're fascinated by that I am as well is that not just do we have immigrants coming from all over the world here, but we have real international experts on global issues right in our backyard. And so to take advantage of that and talk to people on the ground here in Connecticut who really have a broad view of what's happening globally, that's an important thing because our listeners, our smart, smart listeners, the ones who are calling us today, they're not just interested in what's happening on their school board. They care about that, but they also care about what's happening in the Middle East and what's happening in South Asia and what's happening in South America because that's part of their world, too. I think that's what's so great about public radio is we don't always have the time um, in our daily personal lives to read up on every you know, article and, um, you know, in-depth report, but you can turn on WNPR while you're driving in. Um, and we all get stuck in that traffic on I-91, <laughs> believe me. And we are able to not only learn about our community and our state and our country, but how our, what our place is in the world. And I think that's what's so amazing about uh, where we work and the jobs that we have that we can help, you know, that conversation. I, I want to, uh, again, remind you, if you want to call us, 860-275-7266. We're taking some of your ideas for what we're going to cover in the next 10 years of where we live as we celebrate our first 10 years. Again, 860-275-7266. Barbara's from Rocky Hill. Hi there, Barbara. You're on Where We Live. Well, thank you for taking my call. And you're perfectly, ref- you set me up perfectly. I want to call that charities, but not only charities that reach out to Connecticut, but we have many charitable groups in the state that reach out all over the world, and it would be nice to highlight some of that work. Uh, That's a really good point, and thank you so much for that. We do have some charitable organizations that do global work. They're based right here in Connecticut, and so we have access, Lucy, I think, to some of the biggest minds who are working in the NGO world and trying to help people. We We can tap into that. I was also thinking about some of these na- these international nonprofits that are based here in Connecticut. Um, you know, when we look at uh, issues like uh, trafficking of minors, um, there's a great organization in New Haven um, that's doing that work internationally. And so, you know, just, again, not only learning about the issue at hand, but what's being done um, on a local scale, on a global scale, to fight these problems. I mean, it's really interesting that a lot of this is happening here in Connecticut. Yeah, and, and also, we don't just have global charities who are doing great philanthropic work. We have an awful lot, I mean, more than I could possibly count, of very committed small charities who are feeding people and clothing people and housing people. And we have been lucky, and I've been <laughs> lucky to uh, f- feature many of these folks on the air over the years and continue to, to talk to them in the coming years, Lucy, because some of this work really flies under the radar. I mean, the amount of work that goes into uh, running a small shelter or running a small uh, social service organization 
it's it's remarkable. And it's for these people, it's not about the money. It's literally about giving people something so that they can live. And I think the ability to highlight that work and show how that might point toward a better Connecticut is probably something that we want to do more of. Definitely. I, I want to take some more phone calls at 860-275-7266. Let's quickly get to Larry, who's in Hartford. Hey there, Larry. What's up? Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. What's What's on your mind, Larry? Well, I'd like to praise you personally, John, for uh, mostly for the intelligence and the breadth of your uh, interviews, including minority viewpoints, which, as you know, uh, I represent to some extent in Hartford. But in all cases, you do a far better job than the major networks do, uh, whether it be CNN or the uh, major networks, in accepting the fact that there's a variety of opinion, much of which is quite valid and important in this whole debate. So, again, I thank you immensely. And I think your show has grown over the years, and I hope that Lucy continues uh, in welcoming diverse viewpoints, including minority political parties, because the contribution made by that viewpoint. Larry, thank you so much, and thank you for all of your support of the of the program over the years. You know, this idea of of minority viewpoints. There's a lot of there's a lot of points to, to what Larry just said. There's minor, minority viewpoints, and then there's also um, viewpoints from from people who are not part of the majority population. Um, we on where we live, I think we have tried over the years to do a really good job of representing those minority viewpoints. I think it's fair to say that no matter how you listen, what ears you listen with, you may well feel we don't do enough, that we don't talk to enough people who are um, Republican or liberal or black or white. Uh, I have heard everything. And I'm sure over the course of the next 10 years, Lucy, you will hear everything. I, I will just say what I think we're trying to do is present a series of diverse viewpoints and not tally it up and count it up, but say, who are we as a people? Mm-hmm. How can we hear from as many different voices as possible? And then when you think we don't do a good job, one of the nice things is I've got this phone number here, 860-275-7266. That number ain't going to change on Monday either. And you call us at 860-275-7266 and say, you know, I don't think that you're doing uh, enough on this. We'll say, yeah, come on and tell us about it. And that's one of the great things about live call and radio. That's right. I mean, we're going to encourage people again. Um, I know with social media, it feels like we're all a lot closer. You know, we know so much <laughs> about our personal lives just by going on Facebook. But, you know, I can't stress it enough that. You know, you can call in during the week. You can email me. I'm going to give my email out, lucy at org. You can tweet us. You can go to our Facebook page. I mean, a lo- people here at WMPR are looking at that daily. We want to hear from you. Maybe on Monday we may not get to the views that you felt like should be raised. So let us know. And then take the step and, you know, come on the show. We will we will reach out to you. We want to hear from you. Again, it's Lucy at WMPR.org, <laughs> so you don't have to worry about spelling Nalpathanchel. <laughs> Lucy Nalpathanchel is here. She's the new host of Where We Live starting on Monday. I'm John Dankosky. And uh, when we come back from our break, we'll take more of your phone calls at 860-275-7266. Maybe talk about some more of the ideas Lucy's got uh, brewing with our team coming up. And we'll hear more from you where we live. <laughs> This is Where We Live. I'm John Dankosky. Coming up on tomorrow's program, we're uh, looking back at 10 years of Where We Live all throughout this week. Tomorrow, we're going to remember some of our favorite moments and some of our favorite mishaps from the last 10 years. We're also going to meet a longtime listener and caller whose voice you probably uh, remember, but uh, 
We haven't had him in studio before, so we're going to be very excited to hear that. So that's tomorrow's Where We Live. Today in the program, we're looking ahead to the next 10 years of Where We Live with Lucy Nalpathanchel. She's WNPR's host who's going to be taking over in this chair on Where We Live starting on Monday, and we're taking some of your phone calls. Let's quickly get to Adam, who is calling from West Hartford. Uh, hi there, Adam. You're on Where We Live. Hello, John. Hello, Lucy. Hi. Hi. Uh, you know, as, as I want to... Uh uh, echo the sentiments of the previous caller who uh, commended you, John, on on the way that you never marginalized uh, anyone's viewpoint. And um, and I, I wish you all the best in your new endeavor. You know, this program, um, I have to say, I feel is a great local resource, and uh, and that's you know one of the reasons why I've listened. Some of the subjects that I've really enjoyed over the years when you've had in um, local authors. Uh, when you've talked a bit about Connecticut history. And, and also, uh, you've done quite a few shows on urban redevelopment. And I think those are tremendous because, you know, they get people in Hartford and the surrounding region thinking about, you know, how much we can be doing here as a people. So, Lucy, I, I, uh, I wish you well in uh, taking over the, the chair there. And, and I, hope, I hope we'll hear more of that um, in addition to all the other great content that we've had over the years. Adam, thank you very much for the kind words. I really appreciate your phone call. And, and he, he raises some some good points, uh, things that we want to do more about. We got an email from Carl along some of those lines. I want to hear more about art, music, and cultural activities and events in Connecticut. This is a state with a lot going on, but it can be difficult to find it. Thank you so much for your comment there, because on Monday, you know, somebody, um, I, I was obviously, I was raised in Pennsylvania, and I've moved around a lot through the years, and Connecticut's now been my home for uh, almost 10 years, and something about what we, you know, as a news reporter, you know, oftentimes we're looking about to do stories about what's wrong, and how can we fix the problem, and, you know, how can Connecticut learn from, you know, Massachusetts or uh, New York, uh, but there's a lot about Connecticut that's right, and we don't focus on the attributes of Connecticut. So on Monday, we're going to have a couple of women who have this great blog, Connecticut Ain't So Bad, and we're <laughs> going to talk to them about what it is about why people love to live here in Connecticut. It's not always about the bad. And part of something that I'm looking to explore is to learn more about the arts and culture um, in our state. You know, so often we focus on, you know, New Haven and Hartford, but there's a lot going on here um, because of our diverse communities. And so that's something I'm really looking forward to doing. Again, if you want to join us, 860-275-7266. Let's go to Kingsley in Norwich. Kingsley, I haven't heard from you in a long time. Good to hear from you on where we live. Oh, thank you, John. How are you? I'm doing well. What's on your mind? Um, truly, we have enjoyed your program all these years. And um, actually, we're going to miss you. So my question is, um, uh, we look forward to have different guests or experts on medical issues. So I think, uh, Lucy, we should consider, because this is one of the main things a lot of people are concerned with nowadays. So I think... Um, um, the more guests we have on health issues, uh, that will make the program, you know, just like uh, you left the program. <laughs> Very nice. Everybody enjoyed it. <laughs> so we are looking forward to that. And if um, she can incorporate more more experts into the program, you know, that would be of great value to all the listeners. Well, Kingsley, thank you very much for the kind words and for the for the phone call and and I think uh, a continued conversation about health and some of the some of the issues that we're facing here as other callers have said it's something that it's it's vital to 
uh, our state. It's certainly vital to our nation, and it's something that we need to talk more about. So thank you so much for that. Let's go to Anna, who's calling from Danbury. Hey, Anna, what's on your mind? Hi. um, I just wanted to call. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. Um, I just wanted to talk about uh, being a quote-unquote millennial. Uh, You hear a lot about people all around the United States, how people are in debt at my age, Um, You know, how people have gone to school for different things, but they're working in other places. I'd like to hear more about how it's affecting people in Connecticut. So I was talking to someone on the phone, and um, I drive over an hour for a job that, you know, doesn't pay as well. Um, I have a master's degree and everything, and I I know that's the sentiment of a lot of people that I'm friends with, a lot of my friends who are in their 30s and late 20s and I'd love to hear more about people's experiences, what they've done to either get a great job or even what they've done to, I don't know, just hear different stories, I mm. guess, from people my age. Hey. I know there's a lot of listeners out there that are my age that listen to NPR. And hey, Anna, can I ask you, first of all, thank you for that. Can I ask you a quick question? Do, sure. you, do you think that millennials get a bad rap? Um, yes, that's why I said quote-unquote millennials, because <laughs> I think they do get a bad rap, and we're kind of the generation, I guess, that everybody says saw things happening in the technology. And But I, I'm just surprised that, you know, at my age or, you know, a lot of people that are my age don't have as much uh, opportunities out there because, you know, we know technology, we know social media, and it's just, it's really hard. The market's really hard for people my age. And so. Well, well, Anna, thank you so much for, for your thoughts, and I really appreciate the phone call. It's a, great, um, it's a great idea, Anna. You know, just last week I filled in for John, and we focused a whole show on young and debt-free is a possible. And we had a, a woman from Hartford in, in her 30s talking about how she was able to, you know, pay down that student debt. You know, it weighs on many of us in the first years of our careers. And when you live in a state with a high cost of living, you know, how can young people manage you know, uh, their debt and have a career and maybe one day buy a house, have a family. I mean, these are all issues um, that we want to keep on talking about. Yeah, actually, own a home, you know, <laughs> have a car, have a family. Uh, Mary's in Rocky Hill. Hi, Mary. Hi, John. Um, hi, Lisa. I'm, I'm calling because I'm a youth group leader and I'm a Girl Scout leader. And I'd love to hear shows about Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and the youth of Connecticut that are doing some really wonderful things in the state. Excellent. Thank no. Thank you very much for that. I, I appreciate that. And we've we've heard from from people who are involved in in programs like yours over the years. But I think that there is an, an awful lot of uh, great work being done out there. So thank you for that idea, Mary. You know, it's funny we're getting uh, tweets here, uh, Lucy. One from our friend Tejas, who writes about a lot of different things and wants us to cover many things. But he says, "Here's a specific story I've pitched for years. Who are these people? Our highways are named after. I love that. I love that. That's actually that's <laughs> that a really a good monthly, show. Pitch. <laughs> that could be like a monthly check-in. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, we got a tweet from the Hartford Whalers. Very nice. Uh, discussing the restoration of Hartford as a major league market would be excellent. I'll just quickly say for those of you who don't know, our logo, the Where We Live logo, was designed by the great Peter Good and Jan Cummings, uh, who designed the uh, the Hartford Whalers logo. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> the Hartford Whalers logo is right behind us, folks. In case you're wondering here. Uh, What's that? And that was one of the first stories I did, John. Do you remember when I came here in Connecticut about you know, bringing back the whale? <laughs> bringing back the whalers. We've been trying to bring back the whale the entire time you've you've been here. Uh, let's let's go to Pete uh, in New Haven. Hi there, Pete. What's up? Hey, how are you? First, uh, long time listener, first time caller. Great job, Tom. Lucy, looking forward to what you bring to the table. And I want to turn this around a little bit. The kumbaya that we're talking about here for Connecticut. Yeah. Everybody I talk to 
cannot wait to get the hell out of this state because we can't afford to retire here. Yeah. So I'd really like to hear a story about the mass exodus because every time I tell somebody, my wife and I can't wait to move to the Carolinas where we can pay $1,200 a year in property taxes instead of 8 10 and 12 they're like, we're right behind you. We keep swapping towns, which one of us is moving to what area of North Carolina or South Carolina. We're looking for areas that don't flood and have less hurricanes. So I grew up in Connecticut, lived here, lived through the blizzard of 77. I'm 48 years old, and I can't think of any reason for me to stay here other than my kids finishing, finishing their education. I can't afford to retire here. And I don't know anybody else who can who makes under $150,000 a year with property taxes in New Haven and the car taxes that we still can't get under control. Yeah. I mean, well, beautiful state, yeah. lots of education, lots of things for us to, to, to share with the world. You just can't afford to live here. Great place to visit. Can't stay. Well, so first of all, this is a it's a great point. And we've talked about this an awful lot. And we've you know, one of the things we've covered over the years is that sort of mass exodus that has happened. I remember, honestly, having one of the very first shows that we ever did had to do with um, people moving and going to the Carolinas and what what the Carolinas were were offering to people that, that weren't, uh, you know, that wanted to leave Connecticut. So a question for you, though, while I still have you on the line is, sure. is, look, Connecticut has clearly been a place where you have, you know, thrived maybe and you've done very well. Is there some little part of you that says, look, I want to stay here, I want to figure out how to how to make this place just a little bit better, maybe make it more affordable so that more people can stay here and live here? I'm with you. I agree. I just wish there was a path to that. I'm at 48 years old. I figure i got about 15, 16 years left before I have to live on a lot less of a, a, a normal income. And all I see is growing expenses, growing insurance costs, growing taxes, uh, insurance for property. I mean, everything is going up. And every time I see somebody who says, oh, yeah, I moved here, I said, why did you move here? And they say, oh, I followed a job. I said, did you check out how much it costs to live here? Why are you here? I mean, it's like last person out, turn off the lights. I just don't get it. Thanks. I want to stay here the rest of my life. I just can't afford it. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I'm not from here. And neither now, am I. And neither is John. And the women that we have on, on Monday, I believe, are also, um, you know, transplants from other places. And so it's interesting that people that born and raised in Connecticut, they can't wait to get the hell out. And then there's <laughs> us that are like, oh, you know, we like we like Connecticut. But I think it's a great it's a great discussion. And I really hope that our call screener gets his phone number because I want to check in with him again. Yeah, no, I know. I think that we want to I think that we want to check in with people. And look, and this is a story that honestly we could keep telling for years and years and years. We could keep telling the story of how people are, are leaving Connecticut. But you just mentioned it and you said something you're, that you're doing on Monday. There's reasons why people decide to stay as well. I mean, look, we've had it in the news over the course of the last several months. There are, there's some legislation that's coming through in places like North Carolina and other low-cost states that make people take pause. Yes, it's lower cost of living. Maybe it's a different way of life. Maybe it's a different uh, way of life in terms of uh, the ability for everyone to be accepted into into society. And I think that's one of the really great tensions for a place like Connecticut is how do we retain a young population? How do we keep people who, uh, like our caller from New Haven, who's 48 years old looking for where he wants to retire? And we can make this uh, make this a place where he can afford it. Look, a talk show, a radio station, is not going to do all that. But I think having a long-term conversation about the issues and how to grapple with these things and, and coming up with good ideas, I think that actually helps to make the place a better place, right? I mean, that's the whole point, right, where we have these conversations where we can learn about people's experiences and to find out you know, what's working, what's not. 
and how we, I mean, we know a lot of people at the Capitol, the people that are there today voting on this budget that we still, you know, we still don't know how it's going to shake out. And they're the ones listening too. And they're the ones that come in. And so the the residents, the listeners have that chance to ask those questions, challenge the policymakers. Why do we do the things we do the way we do? Well, one of the reasons you guys are going to like Lucy is because she gets the same look on her face when she gets all <laughs> fired up that I do when we start talking about things that don't make sense in the in the state. Let's go quickly to Sue in Norwich. Sue, you're the last word on today's show. What's on your mind? Um, I, I'm a Connecticut native, but I've lived out of the state for a number of years, and I just retired and moved back to Connecticut. You There's did. No place I would rather be. Well, why did Why did you move back? I, I just heard how expensive it is. People can't afford to retire here. <laughs> it depends on what. Uh, I guess it depends on what you think is a reasonable standard of living. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that there are people who feel they can't live on less than you know fifty or eighty or ninety thousand dollars a year, but in fact you can and you can live well. So um, I think for me that it, economics was barely an, an issue at all. And there are wonderful senior centers here. There's just a, a plethora of services that are appropriate for the reti- for people that are retired, like myself. And um, I'm thrilled to be home. And, and do you feel like, like Norwich in the southeast corner of the state, that that's a particularly good place maybe for people who are looking to relocate or come back home, Sue? Well, I can't really compare. I did live in the New Haven-Hamden area for uh, 12 years, um, and I'm certainly happier here. But this is home for me. I grew up in this part of the of the state. Sue, thank you so much for your phone call. I appreciate it. And well, I'll tell you what, keep the ideas coming. It's where we live uh, on both Facebook and Twitter. And you'll also go to WNPR.org slash where we live. What, what else is coming up here, Lucy? You got a lot of things happening. Well, you know, we've got a lot of different discussions. And I think I mentioned some of them I'm talking about Asian Americans in Connecticut, talking about why people stay. We're going to be checking in with our great reporters here in our newsroom about the stories we do and how we decide to make, you know, great reporting. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to talking with all of you starting Monday, May 16th. And uh, just to just to remind you, on Wednesdays each week, I'm still going to be here with Colin McEnroe on The Wheelhouse, our weekly news roundtable. We'll give uh, Lucy a chance to recoup, uh, recoup a little <laughs> bit and come up with some new, new ideas for you on Wednesday. Lucy, thank you so much for joining thank me you, today. John. I cannot wait to hear the brand new, new program starting Thanks, on John. Monday. Our program produced by Lydia Brown and Tucker Ives. Kion Wolf is our technical producer. Heather Brandon's our digital editor. The executive producer of Where We Live is Katie Talarski. I'm John Dankoski. This is Where We Live. <laughs>